And today uh, is a special day. And uh, again, we're so glad that you're here today. And if you're a guest, today is, is a unique morning, but uh, God's going to speak to us today. And he wants us to remember, to remember all that he's done for us through Jesus. And so Dr. Bill Katz uh, is a Jewish believer in Jesus from Argentina, and uh, he has uh, a master's degree and a doctorate degree from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, he leads, uh, helps to lead a ministry called uh, Hope for Israel, and uh, he was reminding me this morning that their whole mission is to see uh, the hope of the Messiah taken back to to where the Messiah started, to where he came from, to the Jewish people. And so this morning, uh, Dr. Katz is gonna lead us through a Passover Seder. And again, God's gonna speak to us greatly. So let's welcome together Dr. Bill Katz this morning. Memories light the corners of my mind. Misty watercolor memories of the way we were. For those of you young people, you better turn to someone of certain age <laughs> to recognize that unforgettable 1971 hits sung by Barbara Streisand. I grew up listening to that song at my uncle Nahum's house. Unfortunately, he liked the Ray Conniff version, which really, again, young people of certain age, Ray Conniff, talk to someone of certain age. <laughs> what a memory. But friends, ain't that true that memories are so important for us? I'm sure that if I walk into anybody's house, I will see memories. We humans need memories and there are photos and mementos that you brought from some trip we have birthdays and weddings and different things because we need memories shape us they tell us who we are where we come from they take us to wonderful places, places we long to visit again, places where we are welcomed and loved. Unfortunately, memories also take us to very painful places, places we avoid. People, situations, places we don't want to be ever again. We don't ever want to see again. And because memories are important, Jesus left us a memorial. We human beings need memorials, reminders of things in order to remember that something happened here. And that's why Jesus left us a table. So we can remember what, who he is and what he's done for us. And in order to do that, he took another memorial, another reminder of something that God had left for the Jewish people to remember who he is and what he had done for them, the Passover. This wonderful memorial 
designed to help my people to remember the wonderful things, the miracle that God performed so we could be free from slavery. Jesus took this memorial to give us more memories. And so he gave us the Lord's Supper. My intention today as we go through this Passover ceremony, as we sit at that table that Jesus sat at with his apostles the night that he was betrayed, is that we can again remember who he is and what he's done for us. And let's see if we can better understand the Lord's Supper by understanding the Passover. So, of course, we need to put ourselves in context. And so let me op uh, ask you to open your Bibles. And open at the, 25th, uh, the 21st, sorry, 22nd, sorry, 22nd chapter of the book of Luke. Chapter, seven, chapter 22, verse 7. This is what the Bible says. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he, referring to Jesus, sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters, and then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there and make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. The Passover, which is coming in a few weeks, is a seven-day holiday known also as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. During this time, we don't need anything that contains leaven. Why no leaven? Well, leaven is a symbol of sin. Why? Well, very simple. Ladies, what does leaven do to the dough? Makes it rise. Makes it become puffed up. And that's exactly what sin does to us. It makes us rise. It makes us think that we are more important than God. And so during this time, we don't need anything that contains leaven. It's a way of saying to God that we want to break with the daily routine of sin in our lives. That is why seven weeks before Passover, the mother of the house conducts a very strict uh, cleaning uh, of the house. And she throws away anything that contains leaven, bread, brownies, cookies, you name it, to the garbage. We can't have anything in the house that contains leaven. We can't have anything in the house that represents sin. Once the house has been cleansed, we're ready to celebrate the Passover Seder. Seder is a Hebrew word, which means order. For we need to follow a very strict order of service. Everything begins with the lighting of the candles. And this is the duty and the honor of the mother. You'll see that the whole family participates. And as I said, well, you know, ladies first. Who are we Jews to disagree? So, once she lights the candles, she will say a prayer that goes like this. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddishanu Mitzvotav Vitzivanu Neadlich Ner Shel Pesach. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe. You have blessed us with your commandments, and you have given us the commandment of lighting the Passover 
candles. It's very appropriate that a woman lights these candles, these lights. For this reminds me that the Messiah, the light of the world, would not come from the seed of man, but from the seed of the woman and the will of God. Just as the prophet Isaiah foretold, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and will bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, it's time for the Father to rise and offer a prayer over the first cup. During the Passover, we drink from our cups four times. The first cup is called the cup of sanctification or the Kiddush cup. The second cup is the cup of plagues. The third cup, that's the most important one of them all. This is the one that Jesus took to give us the Lord's Supper. And so appropriately, it's called the cup of redemption. And then the fourth cup, the cup of praise. It is with the first cup that the Father offers a prayer that goes like this. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pericha Gafen Amen Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us the fruit of the vine. Ceremony has started, and the youngest boy, the youngest girl, they come forward to ask the four traditional questions of Passover. These questions are in Hebrew. And the first one goes like this. Which translated means, why is this night different from all other nights? And we explained, this is what we do to remember what the Lord our God did for us. When he took us out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. The message of Passover, in the words of William Wallace, is a message of freedom. For we... Reme oh, you saw the movie. Okay. <laughs> For we remember that, the Lord, that we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And he took us out. Of, we were desperate. And we cried out for a liberator. And he sent us one. His name was Moses. And he went to Pharaoh and said those famous words. Let my people go. But Pharaoh would not let us go. So God decided to send the plagues. Nine plagues he sent. And Pharaoh would still not let us go. So finally God said... I'm going to send a final and terrible plague. I'm going to visit the land of Egypt. And I'm going to take the life of every firstborn in every family in the land of Egypt. But in his mercy, he decided to spare us. And here's where it gets interesting. How? Well, he told us to take a lamb. A perfect lamb. A spotless lamb. To sacrifice that lamb on the altar. And to apply the blood of those lambs on the doorposts of our homes. First on the top and then on the sides. And so when the angel of death came to the land of Egypt and saw that blood on the doorposts of our homes, the angel of death passed over the homes of the Jewish people. And that's where we get the name. Passover. For the angel of death, the Lord himself, passed over the, the, the homes of the Jewish people because of the blood. The blood of the lamb. What a great image of redemption. But I'm sure we know of a greater act of redemption. For the Passover is one of those shadows. The book of Hebrews tells us about the shadows of the law that would point to greater things. And the, the, so the Passover points to Jesus on the cross. And just as my ancestors had life because they applied the blood of those lambs to the doorposts of our homes today, we also have life. But eternal and abundant life if we apply the blood of Messiah Jesus to the doorposts of our hearts. Amen? Second question. 
Why is it that tonight we eat only unleavened bread? And we explain. Our ancestors in the rush to leave the land of Egypt, they had to take the bread, but the dough had not risen yet. A very important element of the Passover is the matzatos. So here we have a pouch or a bag of sorts, but here's where it gets very interesting. This is one pouch, but inside we have three compartments. One, two, and three. And inside each compartment, we have a piece of unleavened bread. So it's one, but it's three. I heard that before. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Anyway, or we could say it's three, but it's actually only one. So the plot thickens. The father now removes the middle piece of the matzatosh. He takes it like this and says a prayer that goes like this. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us bread from the earth. Amen. And he breaks it in two. One piece is put to the side, but the other one, the other one becomes special. It's so special that it receives a name. The Afikomen. Afikomen means he who comes later. And that's what happens. We don't need the Afikomen now. Instead, the father takes a napkin and wraps the Afikomen like this. At this point, he excuses himself from the room and hides the afikomen somewhere in the house. No one in the house knows where the afikomen is, but it has become a crucial part of our service because we will have to bring it back or we won't be able to finish the service at the end. Two more questions. Why is it that tonight we eat only bitter herbs? And the other one, why do we dip the bitter, the bitter herbs into salty water? Well, to explain that, let me show you another reminder. This is the Seder plate. Inside this plate, we have different foods, things that we eat. And each one of them is supposed to remind us of the story of the Passover. See, we have remembered things by watching, by listening. Now we're going to remember by tasting. First one is called carpas or greens. And we usually use parsley or lettuce. These greens represent life. Why? Well, water is very scarce in Israel. It's, you know, and so whenever, whenever you see water, you see green actually, you know that there, there is water. And if there's water, there is life. And so at this point, we take these greens, we represent life, and we dip them in salty water, which is a symbol of tears. And as we eat them, as we taste the salty water, we remember the many tears that ancestors cried when they were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. 
The next element is, frankly, disgusting. <laughs> it, 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 it's horrible. Fresh ground horseradish. <laughs> For those of you sophisticated people, this is what wasabi is made of. And you know what happens when you eat too much wasabi, right? Exactly what happens to us Jewish kids, because at this point, our parents scoop a nice and here. <laughs> this is called maror, the bitter herbs prescribed by God in Hebrews 12, in, sorry, Exodus 12. There's a lesson to be learned here. In John 13, Jesus says something kind of cryptic. He says, someone is going to betray me. And immediately John and Peter are, are trying to find out who is it. Pause here. What a con job Judas did, huh? Three years hanging out with the apostles, and the apostles had no clue that he was going to betray Jesus. Anyway, at this point, Jesus says, well, you know, Jesus could have said, it's Judas. Could have pointed to Judas. He does something else. He says, I'm going to dip the bread, and to whomever I give it, that's a traitor. Isn't it appropriate that Jesus picked the bitterest thing on the table to give it to the one that was going to send him to a bitter death. Next element is called haroset, which is a mixture of apples, uh, walnuts, sugar, cinnamon, and honey. Delicious. Look at the color, brownish. This color reminds us of the mortar that the Jewish people used to make bricks for Pharaoh. There seems to be a contradiction here. How could it be that such a sweet mixture reminds us of such bitter toil? And it's very simple. Even the bitterest life is sweetened with the promise of redemption. The next two elements were not at Jesus' table. The first one is the hagiga. The hagiga is a hard-boiled egg which we, we peel, we cut, and before we eat, we dip it in salty water. It's a symbol of grief for the Jewish people. Hagiga was the name of the offering, the grain offering brought to the temple at Passover time. As you know, in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. And at that point, the rabbis in inserted this element to remind us that we lost the temple. We lost the opportunity to bring a grain offering to the temple. The last one is called the Zoroa. It's the shank bone of a lamb. And I don't have it here for a reason. It is also a symbol of grief for the Jewish people, for it reminds us Actually, the rabbis added it after 70 AD to remind us that we can no longer make sacrifices. This brings us to a problem. Leviticus 17 is very clear because it says that for the redemption of sins, the shedding of blood is required. So we got a problem. So the rabbis imagine their situation. What do we do now? No more temple? No more sacrifice, no more lamb. What can we do? And so they invented a new religion. And since that point, they ruled that Jewish people are saved by prayers, repentance, and good deeds. The sad thing is they had, it in, they had the answer in front of them all the time. The only thing they had to do was to listen to the words of John the Baptist. You see, I don't have this symbol of grief 
on this table for a simple reason. There's no reason to grieve. Because John, Baptist said it very, John the Baptist said it very clearly. When he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We no longer need sacrifices, temples, or altars. For Jesus the Messiah died for us all, and his blood cleanses us of all sins. Amen? Amen. We now come to the second cup. The cup of plagues. In Judaism, a full cup is a symbol of complete joy. But our joy cannot be complete now because we remember, remember, that yes, we were saved, but a lot of people suffered that day. I know there are a lot of parents here. And we would give everything for our children. And yes, the Egyptians were idolaters. And yes, they were our masters. And yes, we were slaves. And yes, they were pagans. They were moms and dads too. And imagine their anguish when they saw their children dead after the Lord passed over the land of Egypt. And so, my friends, yes, we rejoice. But our joy, our joy cannot be complete when we know that so many have suffered. And so at this time, we're going to take from our cups, which mean complete joy, and we're going to spill 10 drops to remember their pain. The 10 times that, each, that God visited in his wrath the land of Egypt. So we take our fingers, we dip it in the contents, and we start spilling 10 drops. And as we do that, we repeat each one of the plagues, starting with the first one, blood, until we get to the last one, death. Passover is a night of rejoicing for the Jewish people, but again our rejoicing, our joy cannot be complete when we see the suffering of so many others. And that's something we keep in mind in Hope for Israel. We are an Israeli ministry located in the city of Jerusalem dedicated to sharing the good news of Messiah, bringing the hope of Messiah to the land of Israel. Our office is in Jerusalem. It is so centrally located that the only Mickey D's in Israel is just a hundred yards from our office. <laughs> Why would you go to Mickey D's being in Israel is something that I don't understand my American friends. Why would you do that? And why would you insist having a cheeseburger when you know that that is prohibited in Israel because you cannot mix dairy with meat? A lot of believers talk about the glorious future of Israel. But what about the miserable present? What about a month ago when two brothers, 20 years old each, drove the car into the wrong place? through the town of Huragua. They were rammed by a Palestinian man with his car. He got out and executed them at point blank range. On February the 20th, there were a bunch of people at a bus stop, just like you and me, trying to get from point A to point B. And another terrorist drove their car into the crowd, killing a 20-year-old young man an eight-year-old kid 
and wounded another six-year-old who died the next day as a result of his wounds. And so we need to tell them about the joy that comes from knowing the Lord. We are there to minister to their spiritual and physical needs. All my co-workers are Israeli. They all work, they all live in the city of Jerusalem, the city where the Lord gave his life for us. And so, friends, my job is the same job that Paul describes in Romans 15. There he tells the believers in Rome, here I am, in Asia Minor, telling the church about the work of the saints in Jerusalem and asking them to pray for them. And that's why I'm here to ask you, would you pray for us? Would you stand with us in this time of need for the people of Israel? Would you pray for peace in Israel? Uh, we have different programs for the youth, for several communities. I'm happy to say that we do not discriminate and to say that we bring the hope of Israel, not only to Jewish people, but to Arabs and to Jews. So if you want to learn more about the wonderful work we're doing there, there's a materials table uh, at the... Uh, is it the Welcome Center, the Connection Center? Connection Center, uh, where uh, there are some materials, and I hope that you will come and learn more about who we are and what we do. After the second cup comes what most Jewish people around this green earth are waiting for, dinner. Yes, there was a dinner. Imagine my surprise. I was two weeks, I believe, and they invited me. I, as, as you heard, I grew up in Argentina. They invited me to the Holy Supper. That's how it's called in Spanish, La Santa Cena. Imagine my surprise. I said, oh, supper and holy. That must be some supper. Imagine when I only got crackers and juice. I was disappointing. And it, you know, and it, isn't, it isn't what Da Vinci painted either. You know, you, you all know the famous painting, The Last Supper. That is not The Last Supper. First of all, he painted, if you look at the, there's a window in the back. There's light. He didn't paint supper. He painted lunch. <laughs> Why? Because he was it. because that's what Europe, that's the main meal for Europeans. Secondly, he painted these wonderful loaves of bread. They looked like, you know, all fluffy and big. And they looked like the San Francisco tree. <laughs> Jesus would have never had that. I mean, this is what Jesus had. Why? Because he was Jewish. So Da Vinci didn't paint, uh, you know, uh, anything Jewish. Why? Because he was Italian. <laughs> That's the bread Italians have. And last of all, he painted fish on the table. Jesus didn't have fish. He had lamb. And why did he paint fish? He was Catholic. That's what Catholics have during <laughs> Holy Week. So friends, every time that you, you see that picture, remember, it ain't the Last Supper, it's the last Catholic Italian lunch. <laughs> so, the main part of the service comes after dinner, because that's when we come to the third cup, the cup of redemption. But the service can't continue because something is missing, something that at the very beginning was broken, was buried, and now we need to bring, bring it back. Of course, that's the afikomen. All the kids get up and start looking around the house, and finally one will find it. Once it is found, it is returned to the father, who will now break it again, 
but in little pieces. Every person at the table gets a piece like this. And guess what? It's taken along with the third cup, the cup of redemption. Does this look familiar? <laughs> well, this is the origin of the Lord's Supper. Listen, where else can we find a clear image of Jesus than in the Afikomen, which is without leaven, the symbol of a nature without sin? But I can see Jesus not only in the Afikomen, but in the Matsatosh as well. Do you remember this pouch? The one with three parts? Rabbis don't have a clue about what it means. Some say, well, it probably talks about the three patriarchs of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But why is the middle matzah broken, buried, and then brought back? Others say, nah. Um, that probably talks about the three divisions of worship in the ancient kingdom of Israel. The priests, the Levites, and the, and the, uh, the, sorry, the priests and the people of Israel. But why is the middle matzah broken, buried, and then brought back? Others finally say, no, 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 that must be, this must be about the, uh, um, the three pillars of modern Judaism. Uh, repentance, prayers, and good deeds. But why is the middle matzah broken, buried, and then brought back? No one has a clue. Maybe they don't want to have a clue. Friends, I think the very design of the matzah tells us about the unity of one God Revealing three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But why is the middle matzah broken, buried, and then brought back? You know it. Because Jesus the Messiah was broken in his death, buried, and then brought back to life. In this night of reminders, in this night of memories, when we get to this part of the service, Jesus goes off script totally. <laughs> totally. Everybody was expecting, okay, same old, same old, another supper, another holy supper, another, uh, another Passover. But imagine the surprise of everyone when Jesus takes the bread and says, this is my body. which is broken for all of you. Do this and remember me. And then he took the third cup, the cup of redemption. And again, no more talk about those Passover lambs. All memories, new memory. This is the new covenant in my blood which is shared for all of you. Do this in remembrance of me. My people, until, I mean, in a few weeks, we'll celebrate Passover again. We'll still take the bread. We'll still take the cup to remember those Passover lambs that gave us life. A temporary life, mind you. Because if you remember, none from that generation made it to the promised land. They all died in the desert. 
what an opportunity we have now to celebrate that we won't die in the desert. Because now, yes, we're going to remember. We're going to remember the body and the blood of, our, of our, the Lamb of God who gave us eternal life. So as Justin comes, let us get prepared for this memorial. Let us get ready to remember. Amen. So if our deacons will come forward, and yeah, this is the part of the service when we're going to participate together and do just what Bill's been leading us to do, to remember. We never stop needing to remember all that Christ has done for us. We're such forgetful people. And we see this pattern all throughout scripture where God calls us to remember. Even before he gives the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, uh, God says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that I delivered you from slavery. And so Jesus calls us to remember all that he's done, how he loves us and how he's rescued us. And so if you're a believer in Jesus and have trusted in Christ as your substitute, then we invite you to drink with us and to eat this bread together. And as we do, uh, let's take heart these words of the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 as he's instructing us when we take the Lord's Supper. He says, let a person examine himself. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So uh, may we take some time and confess our sin and just remember together God's great grace for us.
you're now gonna pass the cup. And if you'll just hold both of those elements and then we're gonna take them both together after we sing this next song. Uh, if you needed the gluten-free bread, you can also just raise your hand, they can bring you that. Uh, but let's just continue to remember all Christ has done for us. Uh, sing these words with us. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me Yes. Yeah. 
So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's pray together. God, we with the early church, we proclaim uh, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And that's our hope, that you went to the cross to redeem us, and we just confess again together that the cross was necessary because of the greatness of our sin, all of our sin, our darkest thoughts, our our worst deeds, they were all nailed to the cross. And the cross was necessary, the only way that we could be forgiven. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. We thank you, Jesus, that you conquered death once and for all when you rose again. And we thank you for the promise that you are coming again. So we cling to that hope. Would you continue to make us new, fix our eyes on you in all things? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated again. So, my friends, we come to the last cup, the cup of praise. And here, I got a question for you. Do you have a reason to praise the Lord this morning? You see, we've been talking about memories. We've been talking about Jewish people. Do you know that less than 1% of us are believers in Jesus? So less than 1% have really the opportunity of drinking of this properly. But even for those of us who have heard the message, again I ask, do you have a reason to praise the Lord? See, we've been talking about memories, and when it comes to memories, many flood to my mind. One of them is a painful one. It haunts me. My mother, before she died, she lost her mind. And so, I had to take her in an ambulance to uh, hospice for her last days. 
And as we were riding that ambulance, she suddenly woke up. She looked at me with bewildered eyes and said, where am I? And I said, Mom, we are going to a hospital. And then, ha. Then she looked at me, same bewildered eyes, her son, her only child, the one she had cherished. And then she said those words I still remember. And who are you? Heart. But then I remember December the 2nd, 2019. Downtown Houston, Fanning Street, Houston's Methodist, operating room. My wife had just had a C-section, and the doctor hands me at 57 years of age, at 54 years of age, my daughter Victoria. See? Good ones, bad ones. Today, you have an opportunity. You have the opportunity of starting making new memories. You have the opportunity to start making new memories. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, this is the day. And maybe you have many painful memories. I can see as I look at all of you, we all come from different places, different backgrounds, different families. We're all humans. We're all sinners. And we all come from different experiences. Maybe today is the day that you need some memories to be healed. And the best way to heal those memories is through Jesus. Who will come into your heart and bring the sweetness that comes from knowing his redemption. But maybe you are a believer. But maybe you've been tumbling down. Maybe today is the day that you need a new start. Also, another day to begin new memories. See, one of the reasons that drove me to a church was the memory of my mother wailing as her sister, Esther, the wife of the uncle that used to listen to Ray Conniff, was laid to rest. After that, I went to her and I said, Mom, what happens when you die? And she said, Son, you go to sleep forever. That's it. That's all. It's, it scared me. And I had a hard time going to, I didn't want to go to sleep because what about if I don't wake up? And then the Lord led me to a youth group of a Christian church where I met believers who spoke as if they, as, 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 People who said, I have a relationship with God. And eventually, I learned that Jesus was the one who said, do not be afraid. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And that's the hope we have. As, we drink, as I drink from the last cup, that is my reason to praise the Lord today, that he came to my life and changed it forever. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, borei peri hagafen 
We praise you, Lord. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, I was dead. Do not be afraid. I was dead. But now I'm alive. And that's why we can sing now. There ain't no grave that can hold my body down. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.